lecture five on the patience of the son of god may the lord direct your hearts in the charity of god and the patience of christ two thessalonians chapter three verse five although the perfection of god is infinitely beyond the comprehension of his creatures he has not left us in this darkling world without light to know that he is the fountain of all goodness or without conscience to feel that he is merciful compassionate and just he has given us luminous revelations of his glorious nature and has manifested his divine attributes in ways suited to our understanding that we may rise through that knowledge to the contemplation of his infinite perfection in some degree and may enkindle our desires for divine communion with him he has done more for us and has manifested himself through his divine son one with him in his divine nature one with us in his human nature and in the communication of his holy spirit poured forth with love into our hearts whereby we receive the sense of god and the power to love him and feel after him even whilst tied to this earth by the corruptible body that we may have our conversation in heaven but of all that god has taught us and of all that we have learnt by experience there is nothing that strikes the reflecting mind with more awe and wonder or proves more fully his perfection than his infinite patience with his rebellious and sinful creatures this is the great consolation of the just this is the great scandal of the proud truly his thoughts are not as our thoughts nor his ways as our ways the patience of god is the silence of his power whilst his mercy speaks to the conscience he made us all for himself every one of the children of adam he made us all that we might be happy in him who can never be happy in ourselves but he knows the dust out of which he has so wonderfully made us he knows how weak and restless is our spirit which he made from nothing without his help to fortify our nature and to lead and guide it to himself and when we trust to ourselves instead of trusting ourselves to him and fall into every kind of sin and misery our merciful god has patience with us gives us time speaks to our conscience encircles us with his providential mercies and scourges us with the miseries of our iniquities that we may have every motive for returning to him and when we do return his mercy and pardon are as perfect as his patience what a spectacle to the angels is the patience of god imposing silence on his justice whilst souls are still in the course of probation when we reflect upon the long endurance of our heavenly father with his earthly children so movingly described by the prophets and how through the long ages of their blind perversity he was benignly preparing the way for their redemption speaking all the time to their conscience giving them admonitory warnings merciful corrections and visible proofs of his providential care of them 
and waiting still waiting in silence if perchance before their final summons from the body to his awful presence they might acknowledge him turn to him and repent we stand transfixed in astonishment at a patience so great and divine thou our god art gracious and true patient and ordering all things in mercy wisdom chapter fifteen verse one so wonderful is the merciful patience of god that not a few sects of philosophy or creeds of religion falsely so called following the instincts of pride have construed the divine patience into indifference or cruelty not seeing that the patience that awaits for the conversion of the sinner is of the divine goodness that orders all things in mercy but to the eyes of faith this very patience is one of the sublimest proofs of the divine perfection when we reflect again upon the history of the ages since god has manifested himself openly to the world in his son since the gospel of grace and truth has shown with such love to the souls of men how far more profound has been our insight into that divine patience with which god endures the sins and ingratitude with which so many of his christian children have repaid his infinite love stupendous is the patient love with which our heavenly father awaits the conversion of rebellious and ungrateful souls but when at last the sinful soul returns to him and finds the pardon and peace that remove all her miseries she exclaims in astonishment o infinite patience of my god and saviour what a profound conception of the mystery of the incarnation has been given us by tertullian in this short sentence god placed his spirit in his son with all patience from the moment that the eternal word of the father was made man by the operation of the holy spirit in the womb of the virgin mary his human nature was full of grace and truth and was endowed with a divine patience derived from his godhead with whose person that human nature was united that was perfect for enduring all the conditions of humanity all its trials and all those sufferings which he was destined to undergo for our redemption and salvation it was through the loss of patience that adam fell into sin it is through the loss of the same virtue that his innumerable descendants have sinned after his example and it was by the power of his loving patience that the son of god worked out our redemption by whose sufferings we are healed as by the loss of that fundamental patience which adheres with constancy to god we fell into pride and self-seeking and thence into every kind of weakness sin and misery so through the patience of christ we are brought back to god and are restored to the possession and consistency of those virtues by which we adhere to god and preserve ourselves from evil when we consider who he was and what he was and all the things that he suffered and endured from the moment of his incarnation to his last breathing on the cross and with what gentle love and meekness he endured 
we see that his patience was as wonderful as his humility and that his incarnation is the amazing mystery of humility and patience from this we also collect that humility and patience are the true foundations of human perfection wherefore in contemplating the one complete and perfect example of humanity perfect because united with the divinity what calls for our most especial attention and imitation is his divine patience and humility because these are the most difficult as well as the most fundamental virtues the virtues which perfect that sovereign virtue of charity by which we also in another order are united with god the place in which to contemplate the humility and patience of the son of god in their supreme manifestation and greatest light is on the desolate hill of golgotha where according to the tradition of the early fathers derived from the hebrews the body of the sinful adam was interred there at the foot of the cross of jesus whose blood falls upon the earthly remains of the fallen parent of our race as well as upon us his descendants we may contemplate the divine patience by the light thrown upon it from mount tabor but let us first raise the eyes of our faith above that dreary hill strewed as it is with the relics of criminal executions and contemplate the eternal father sending forth his son upon his mission to this guilty world god so loved the world as to give his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him may not perish but may have everlasting life st john chapter three verse sixteen in the instant of his incarnation his human nature became one with his divine personality and through that personal union of his soul with his divinity christ held from the father the plenitude of wisdom and knowledge and internally possessed the glory of the beatific vision he called himself the son of man but on every suitable occasion proclaimed himself the son of god and asserted his equality with his father he says he that seeth me seeth the father also st john chapter fourteen verse nine and all whatsoever things the father hath are mine st john chapter sixteen verse fifteen again he says i am in the father and the father in me st john chapter fourteen verse ten and i and the father are one st john chapter ten verse thirty and again i came forth from the father and have come into the world again i leave the world and i go to the father st john chapter sixteen verse twenty eight he was the light of the world knew all that is in heaven and earth and all that is in man after contemplating the son of god in his own unspeakable light think of the wonderful patience with which he held back within the veil of his corporal frame the fullness of the light and glory within him that he might converse with men in humility and might suffer contradictions and persecutions with unalterable patience his life was hidden and he became a sign to be contradicted 
the power that creates and rules the world was with him the light that enlighteneth all created intelligences was within him because he was the son of god once and only once for a brief hour he revealed to chosen witnesses the glorious majesty which for the rest of his human life was concealed from mortal eyes yet he enjoined on those chosen witnesses that they should tell the vision to no man until he had arisen from the dead of the three apostolic witnesses of that glorious vision st john declares we saw his glory the glory as it were of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth st john chapter one verse fourteen and st peter appeals to the same glorious vision as bearing testimony to the truth of his teaching we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the presence of our lord jesus christ but having been made eye-witnesses of his majesty for he received from god the father honour and glory this voice coming down to him from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom i have pleased myself hear ye him and this voice we heard brought from heaven when we were with him in the holy mount to peter chapter one verses sixteen through eighteen after realizing to your mind the power the majesty and the glory that were hidden in the son of god from the eyes of men think to the full extent of your light of that divine patience and fortitude with which to use the words of st leo he held back his majesty that the persecutors might have power to inflict their rage upon him with what astonishment must the three witnesses of his glory have observed his humble and patient ways as with looks hidden and as of one despised he bore in silence the contradictions of hypocrites and the reproaches of sinners with what meekness he accepted the humiliations with what gentleness the sufferings that were heaped upon him as though he were the worst of criminals and the enemy of the people whom he had come to save for how many ages and through how many vicissitudes had his chosen people waited for him as their messiah and their deliverer instructed by their prophets trained incessantly to the expectation of him by their laws their sacrifices and the rites and ceremonies that mingled with their daily lives that expectation of whose approaching fulfilment there were so many visible signs was the ruling thought of their minds but the veils of pride and sensuality were upon their hearts and although he proved himself to be their expected messiah by the lights of his teaching by his power over nature and his fulfilment of the prophecies they could not endure his lowliness or the humble garniture under which he concealed his majesty he was in the world and the world knew him not he came to save the world but to save it through his sufferings ever intimating the patience of his father he bore to be unknown except to a few disciples after accomplishing the stupendous work of our redemption he left it to his disciples after he had departed from the world 
to make known that he had saved mankind from eternal death and had brought them everlasting life truly thou art a hidden and most patient god thou art concealed from the proud and made known to the humble let us here pause and turn our reflection upon ourselves we profess to be the patient followers of the patient son of god do we understand how deep that patience goes which rests the humanity of christ upon the firm foundation of his divinity and gives to his human will the strength to hold to the will of his father unmoved and undisturbed in its peace and self-possession by all that men can say or do against him do we understand the profundity of that patience which refrains from every egotistical self-assertion however grossly he is misjudged however ignominiously he is insulted he only glorifies his heavenly father declares his unity with his father and equally declares that he can do nothing without his father yet he calls upon us to be the imitators of his patience to rest for strength on him to take up our daily cross and follow him to refrain from selfish egotism and in patience to possess our souls contemplate the plenitude of the godhead dwelling corporately in christ jesus and how nevertheless he only manifested his grace and wisdom by degrees as men could bear their light whilst the splendour of his light and wisdom is all reserved within him held back by his infinite patience although in the person of god he bore with unspeakable patience the enclosure of the virginal womb he endured the humbling conditions of infancy the trials and subjection of youth the labours of obedience to his earthly guardians and the toils of labour he submissively remained under the law of obedience for thirty years until the law of moses permitted him to teach yet he was himself the master of the law himself the object of the law he came with the new law of grace and love yet patiently submitted himself to the hard restraints and rigorous observances of that ceremonial law which was but an irksome and laborious figure of his own mission and sacrifice but though he faithfully observed its commands to the letter apart from the corruptions of the pharisees that very law was made the pretext for opposing his preaching and the final plea for putting him to death whoever will apply his mind with diligence to the consideration of these contrasts between the interior spirit of christ and the exterior law of moses to which he was obedient will obtain a new key to his divine patience by obeying the law of life he was made subject to the law of death severe to himself he is gentle mild and forbearing to all others his meekness is the beautiful flower his peacefulness the sweet fruit of his patience his doctrine is doubted and disputed he is charged with being an impostor he is called a blasphemer his wonderful works are ascribed to the devil his adversaries gnash their teeth burn with rage and are prepared to stone him yet his equanimity is unmoved 
his meek demeanour is not altered the calmness of his peace undergoes no change resting on his union with his father the ground of his invincible strength his divine fortitude is tried at every point and at every point his patience is invincible after submitting himself to the baptism of john in obedience to the holy spirit he retreats into the savage wilderness abides among wild beasts fasting from all food for forty days and devoting himself to prayer then came his encounter with the enemy of mankind and his endurance of those vile and hypocritical temptations in which he taught us how like temptations must be resisted by the strength of patience and the word of god his acts are the seal of his teaching his patience a great part of his expiation for our sins as the lord of men he became their teacher and having the perfect knowledge of what brings pardon from the offended patience of god he taught them how to escape from death to life meeting darkness with light and insults with meekness his voice was not heard in contention but for revilings he gave back the blessings of compassion he despised no man's roof he refused not to sit at any poor man's table he came not to seek the just but sinners to repentance the pretenders to purity brought this very charge against him that he conversed and sat at table with publicans and sinners he was not angry with the city that refused him entrance within its gates and when some of his disciples would have him bring down fire from heaven as elias did to revenge the insult he rebuked them in these words you know not of what spirit you are the son of man came not to destroy souls but to save st luke chapter nine verses fifty five and fifty six he healed the ungrateful he yielded himself to his betrayers nor was this much since he took a traitor into his company treated him with habitual kindness entrusted him with the common purse and gave warnings to his conscience yet all this goodness only proved his hardness and ingratitude betrayed by this man to his enemies and led like a sheep to the slaughter he opened not his mouth in complaints but bore all that came upon him in meek and silent patience when peter drew the sword in his defence he not only rebuked him with that patience which is the mother of mercy but healed the wound that he had not inflicted was it necessary to heap contumelies upon contumelies and lay them on his head when malice deliberately planned had already doomed him to death yet having power to lay down his life and power to take it up again he chose to leave this life full and sated with the dignity and joy of patience falsely accused and that in the name of his father's law he is spit upon scourged derided clothed in mockery as a sham king for the entertainment of jews and heathens alike and crowned with thorns that the blood of his brow might exhibit his royalty upon his exhausted limbs he carries the cross of the criminal with ignominy unspeakable 
and stripped to nudity on golgotha he is crucified before the people whom he came to save from hell crucified with every circumstance of cruelty and torment how wonderful is the death that has given us life how wonderful in humility in suffering in patience how sublime this deliverance of souls rescued from death through the harrowings of the cross behold god hidden in the nature of man and that nature is rent and torn to death without a single sign of man's impatience from this alone should the pharisees have known their lord for no mere man could have shown a patience so divine if we enter into the interior of the son of god we shall there find a crucifixion of the soul sustained by a charity most patient because most divine nothing can be so helpful to souls under interior trials as to enter in spirit into the interior crucifixion of our blessed lord he thirsts for the salvation of all whom by his incarnation he has made his brethren and the resistance that he meets with from the pride of self-seeking wills causes him the greatest anguish of spirit to this anguish he gave voice when approaching jerusalem he spoke to her people with lamentations and tears jerusalem jerusalem thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent to thee how often would i have gathered thy children as a hen doth gather her chickens under her wings and thou wouldst not behold your house shall be left to you desolate st matthew chapter twenty three verses thirty seven and thirty eight if the souls of the saints suffered intensely from the opposition of sinners to the charity that prayed and laboured for their conversion how much more did the god of charity suffer in his human soul when his light his grace and all his sufferings for the souls of men were rejected and despised the fire of his charity consumed him within because their hardened hearts would not suffer it to spread abroad it is written that our god is a consuming fire hebrews chapter twelve verse twenty nine it is also written prophetically of the son of god as the spouse of souls that love is strong as death jealousy is hard as hell the lamps thereof are fires and flames canticles chapter eight verse six and saint justin the martyr tells us there was a tradition in the holy land among those who had seen the disciples of our lord that he was wont to say those who are near to me are near a fire he said to his disciples i came to cast fire on the earth and what will i but that it be enkindled and i have a baptism wherewith i am to be baptized and how am i straitened until it be accomplished st luke chapter twelve verses forty nine and fifty this fire was his burning charity this baptism his fiery sufferings he was straitened by his intense desire to accomplish his sufferings that he might spread the living fire of his charity but his patience held his desires in obedience until the hour appointed by his father 
thus was his ardent love for souls repressed and restrained within him until brought to his baptism of blood his love was crucified within him and then by his death he purchased the descent of the holy ghost in flames of love upon the souls of men throughout his mortal life his cross was always before him and he looked upon its nearer and nearer approach not only with an enduring but with a desiring fortitude and patience from time to time and by degrees he brought the passion that he should suffer before the minds of his chosen disciples not only showing that his sacrifice was before his mind but preparing them for its tremendous realization he thus commended to their hearts his supreme love of their souls and taught them what they only after his resurrection understood to the full to return love for love blood for blood and death for death what else did he teach in his admonitions but that they should take up their cross daily and follow him on his last journey to jerusalem going direct to his sacrifice jesus went before the disciples and they were astonished and following were afraid and taking the twelve he began to tell them the things that should befall him saying behold we go up to jerusalem and the son of man shall be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes and the ancients and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the gentiles and they shall mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him and the third day he shall rise again st mark chapter ten verses thirty two through thirty four and the gospel records the amazement of the disciples at the ardour with which he went to his sufferings the cross is the furnace of love the patience of the cross demonstrates the perfection of love greater love than this no man hath that a man lay down his life for his friend st john chapter fifteen verse thirteen what was the patient love of christ that suffering love of his father that suffering love of our souls to what did it all tend but to the full and firm surrender of his human nature to his father through those mortal agonies endured with supreme resignation in the absolute certainty that he who accepts the sacrifice will glorify the victim and make the oblation of patient love most fruitful in the words of st leo that ignominious death became the foundation of all benedictions the cause of all graces giving strength out of weakness to believers glory out of ignominy and life out of death of this we have a prophetic figure in the riddle of samson who extracted honey from the jaws of the lion he had slain the sacred scriptures teach in many places that the patience of christ is the principle of his glory for by patience he perfected his sufferings by patience he perfected his work of love by patience he perfected his merits infinite because he suffered in the person of god this great truth is entitled to profound consideration for the sufferings of christ were perfected by his patient resignation to his father's will 
and this throws the greatest light upon the value and reward of all patient suffering under whatever cross or trial endured with christ for the love of god our divine lord quoted the one hundred ninth psalm in proof of his divinity it is a magnificent prophecy of the prerogatives of christ its conclusion gives the cause of the exaltation of his humanity in glory he shall drink of the torrent on the way therefore shall he lift up his head the fathers unanimously assigned this verse to his humiliations and sufferings as the cause of his exaltation the torrent is the rapid course of human events that rush into the current of time with the impetuosity of a flood loud-sounding turbid and unpeaceful but death steps in and man leaves no vestige of his troubled path into that torrent the son of god descended and on the way of his mortal life he drank of the turbid waters and endured their bitter flavour with most loving patience he suffered the griefs of humanity in their severest form he went into the depth of the torrent in his passion he was not refreshed with the sweet waters of delight for sin and misery were all around him but drank of those dark and bitter waters of which it is said in another psalm the waters have come in even unto my soul i am struck fast in the mire of the deep and there is no standing place i have come into the depths of the sea and the tempest hath overwhelmed me psalm sixty eight verses two and three wherefore he hath lifted up his head and the same psalm proclaims his exaltation and power the lord said to my lord sit thou on my right hand until i make thy enemies thy footstool the lord will send forth the sceptre of thy power out of sion rule thou in the midst of thy enemies with thee is the principality in the day of thy strength in the brightness of the holies from the womb before the morning star i begot thee the lord hath sworn and he will not repent thou art a priest for ever according to the order of melchizedek on the very day of his resurrection the son of god taught this principle to the two disciples on the way to emmaus to their fears caused by his sufferings and death he replied o foolish and slow of heart to believe in all things which the prophets have spoken ought not christ to have suffered these things and so enter into his glory st luke chapter twenty four verse twenty five in his epistle to the hebrews st paul has also shown that it was by his patient sufferings that christ was perfected a high priest and received the power to save mankind who in the days of his flesh with a strong cry and tears offering up prayers and supplications to him that was able to save him from death was heard for his reverence and being consummated was called by god a high priest according to the order of melchizedek hebrews chapter five verses seven through ten in another and most memorable passage the great apostle exhibits in a most striking way how the humiliations and obedient sufferings of the son of god were the principle of his exaltation 
and that with the express object of impressing upon us that if we suffer in a like spirit of patient and humble obedience we shall be glorified with him let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus who being in the form of god thought it not robbery to be equal with god but emptied himself taking the form of a servant being made in the likeness of man and in habit found as a man he humbled himself becoming obedient unto death even the death of the cross for which cause god also hath exalted him and hath given him a name which is above all names that at the name of jesus every knee should bow of those that are in heaven on earth and under the earth and that every tongue should confess that the lord jesus christ is in the glory of god the father philippians chapter two verses five through eleven we are thus divinely taught that the humility and the patience which subject our wayward nature to the will of god and keep us steadfast in that subjection through all that we must suffer are the preparation and already contain the seed of the glory that is promised us for this reason our lord exhorts us to take up our daily cross and to follow him with patience and the two great apostles give us each of them a solemn exhortation in the same direction st paul says let us run with patience to the fight proposed to us looking upon jesus the author and finisher of our faith who having joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and now sitteth at the right hand of god hebrews chapter twelve verses one and two and st peter tells us if doing well you suffer patiently this is thanksworthy before god for unto this you are called because christ also suffered for us leaving you an example that you may follow in his steps one peter chapter two verses twenty and twenty one these high instructions all go to one point that as the patient sufferings of our lord were the cause of his glory the like patience in sufferings will bring us to his glory everything points to patience as the perfecter of the soul for charity is patient if not patient it is very imperfect it has not brought our weak and irritable nature into full subjection to the grace and will of god we may mortify the body but of what avail is that if the soul is not duly mortified charity will be left without its firmness and stability nature will reign where god should reign hence st paul advises us that we should not look to ourselves but to god for the power of patience and should exercise it in christ by bearing our cross with him let us again hear the ardent apostle god who commandeth the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of christ jesus but we have this treasure in earthly vessels that excellence may be of the power of god and not of us in all things we suffer tribulation but are not distressed we are straitened but are not destitute 
we suffer persecution but are not forsaken we are cast down but we perish not always bearing about in our bodies the mortification of jesus that the life of jesus may be manifested in our bodies two corinthians chapter four verses six through ten and so he prays for the faithful that they may be strengthened with all might according to the power of his glory in all patience and long-suffering with joy to colossians chapter one verse eleven the great difficulty in instructing those good people who live mostly on their own sensibilities and who obtain the name of being devout is that they do not realize to themselves in what devoutness consists for devoutness means devotedness and devotedness means being given to something which is not oneself the true sense of devoutness is the being given to god and not to our own sensibilities and feelings the feeling after god not after oneself for our good is in god not in ourselves but we have to bear with ourselves and cease being occupied with ourselves that we may feel after god those pious persons who are attached to their own soft sentimentalities that mere milk for babes cannot enter into the strong things of the patience of christ or of his saints they will accept it for a truth that patient charity is the cause and the principle of the future glory but will mainly look upon it as the enduring of bodily sufferings when they come whether by persecution or by the visitation of god they will not realize to themselves that fundamental patience which rests the soul on god and establishes order strength and peace within the soul engaged with their sensibilities and the troubles that arise from them they seem to expect that patience is to come to them without either effort or combat with themselves they never seem to understand in a practical way that this patience is chiefly concerned with their own interior trials and that they can only obtain that perfection of charity which brings uniform cheerfulness and peace by enduring with constant patience and true resignation both their trials and themselves let us now ascend to the contemplation of the interior pains and sufferings of jesus christ the son of god they as far exceed his exterior sufferings as spirit transcends body but let us take with us the light of the principle that patience proceeds from charity i will go up into the palm tree and take hold of its fruits canticles chapter seven verse eight the palm is the symbol of victory and peace the cross of jesus is the most fruitful of palm trees bringing the greatest peace after the greatest of victories won through unspeakable pains and sufferings for if jesus was what the prophet isaiah predicted of him a man of sorrows acquainted with infirmity he was always victorious by the force of his divine patience his spiritual sufferings were incomparably greater than his corporal sufferings 
for in his innocence he was the victim and vicarious penitent for all the sins of the children of adam and so became the model of all true penitence as well as the example of resignation to all who are afflicted with interior desolation surely he hath borne our infirmities and carried our sorrows and we have thought him as it were a leper and as one stricken by god and afflicted but he was wounded for our iniquities he was bruised for our sins the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his bruises we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray every one hath turned aside into his own way and the lord hath lain upon him the iniquity of us all isaiah chapter fifty three verses four through six the griefs of our divine lord were not the griefs of sadness his sorrows were the sorrows of love and compassion he grieves over the multitude and magnitude of the sins by which god is offended he laments over the calamitous condition to which the offending race of adam has been reduced his love of those innumerable souls whom the father created through him the word of his glory and of whose reason he is himself the illuminator is the cause of all his grief he beholds those souls whom no man can number gone astray from god into misery and darkness and leading a dying life that is in bitter conflict with their instincts for good and with the light of their conscience and he pleads with a strong cry and tears for their return to peace hanging on the cross before his father and loving the sinful world that is crucifying him with the love only second to the love of his father whilst every sense and fibre of his mortal frame suffers exquisite and ignominious torture his afflicted soul is overwhelmed with grief and desolation bearing the vast accumulation of the sins of human nature upon his most pure soul for their expiation he not only sees in his pure light but feels through his pure nature all their foulness their hideous deformity their unceasing accumulation and their unspeakable malice the mockeries and insults heaped upon his languid head are but the concentrated expression of that pride uncleanness and insolence with which the ungrateful creature has insulted his beneficent creator throughout the history of the human race as only divine eyes can penetrate the secrets of human hearts the son of god beholds the miseries of souls whilst their hearts ferment in wickedness he sees the blindness of his chosen people deaf to the voice of the prophets deaf to his own voice and blind to his light he sees mankind at large immersed in idolatries sunk in vices dead to the cry of conscience ignorant of the stupendous work of mercy that is being accomplished for their redemption thus whilst the divine victim enters into the evils for which he suffers he mourns and grieves over the crimes that rise in filthy floods against his father and over the destruction of innumerable souls but as by reason of his patient charity 
the sufferings of his spirit were in perfect conformity with the divine reason they were only equalled by his love of souls who can fathom that immense love of the souls for whom he suffered who can search the abyss of that grief which fills up the chasm between those fallen souls and god who can explore that divine compassion with which his grieving soul is moved over his erring brethren who can divine the ardour of his desire to save them from that everlasting ruin into which their perverted wills have driven them i have a baptism wherewith i am to be baptized and how am i straitened until it be accomplished oh what a baptism of blood of grief and desolation the son of god is more deeply wounded in his spiritual than in his corporal nature the first wound inflicted in the contempt and dishonour offered to the divine majesty in his person the second wound inflicted in the malice with which every grievous sinner crucifies the son of god in himself and makes him a mockery the third wound of his spirit is inflicted by the hideous deformity of each mortal sin destroying as it does the good order and beauty of god's noblest creation the fourth wound of his spirit is from the destruction that he foresees of a great part of his kingdom of grace and of glory by the dark pride of heresy and by malicious habits of sin the fifth and deepest wound is inflicted on his spirit by the deliberate fall of so many souls from grace into the eternal abyss of darkness and punishment although to save them from that abyss he is crucified we have yet to enter into that awful dereliction and desolation in which the soul of jesus is steeped when he reaches the last degree of spiritual suffering with the last degree of patience his soul endures the last penalty due to the sins he is expiating in the abandonment of god this may be looked upon as the atonement for that pride which is the root of all sin and the cause of all malice it may be looked upon in another light as the occasion of the divinest patience and of the most absolute resignation and as the perfect example to which every soul should be conformed that suffers the interior pains of desolation the beatific vision recedes to the extreme summit of his spirit whilst all else of his human soul is invaded by darkness withered in dryness and drenched in bitterness and he exclaims to his father my god my god why hast thou abandoned me in the garden of olives the divine penitent for our sins breathes forth the agonizing cry my soul is sorrowful even unto death on the cross the divine victim of our sins sends forth a cry of utter desolation yet in that last stage of desolation with what a divine fortitude and resignation he surrenders himself to the will of his heavenly father yet not my will but thine be done and resting his weary and exhausted soul upon the divine strength for support he sighs out his life in those words of oblation and surrender father into thy hands i commend my spirit 
in the garden of olives the son of god is in an agony of soul so fearful that tears of blood gush from his earthly frame on the dolorous way we behold his patient spirit bending down his shattered body under the load of the cross and bearing it along with invincible fortitude to the place of execution on golgotha in his cruel denudation and atrocious suspension we hear his prayer for the pardon of his executioners in his interior crucifixion and desolation we contemplate his love for all disconsolate souls for whose strengthening he is preparing grace and consolation in his death he teaches all of us in the midst of our last sufferings how to surrender up our souls to god he is the model of the living and the model of the dying the grace of the living and the grace of the dying the love of the living and the love of the dying and all who die to this world in patient love live through him for ever and ever were we to contemplate the sufferings of christ with our whole mind and heart all the days of our lives we could not reach the hidden depths of his patient sufferings and loving sorrows nor could we exhaust the light and consolation which flow from that contemplation god alone knows what he suffered for our sins god alone knows all the love and patience with which he suffered god alone knows the depths of the tenderness of his divine compassion for our souls what men desire to have in this world and to have above all things else is power if they love money they love it as an instrument of power and as the means of having their own will and way but all power is from god and the greatest power is the charity of god for charity can do all things it unites earth with heaven and the soul with god and gives to the soul peace in herself and power of well-doing but the highest power that we weak mortals can possess is the fortitude of charity which adheres with constancy to god conquers evil and fills the soul with good by the fortitude of charity christ conquered death for all and redeemed the world it is the power of christ and if we imitate his patience we shall come to his power open to him your soul and with his patient charity he will come to you and will fortify you against his enemies and yours it has been a maxim of the world for some ages that knowledge is power knowledge is not power but a condition of power knowledge is of the mind power of the will it is one thing to know and another to do if we act on human knowledge we shall accomplish human things if we act on divine knowledge we shall come to divine things but unless the light to know is accompanied with strength of will to act according to our knowledge that knowledge is in vain and to act upon divine knowledge requires a divine strength the knowledge which is given us of the most dear passion of our lord and saviour intimate in proportion to our love is the revelation to our souls of the divinest love in the divinest patience 
enriched with heavenly fruits for all that hunger for them but this revelation is a most solemn invitation to us that we should imitate his patience as much as his charity and for this very reason that without patience charity never can be perfect and can never bring us perfect fruits he that taketh not up his cross and followeth me is not worthy of me st matthew chapter ten verse thirty eight the grandeur of the patience of the son of god is a great argument of faith it demonstrates his divine power as much as his miracles and must be construed with them it is not the reason but the pride of the infidel that is scandalized with the suffering redeemer of the world to put on our nature to stand in our place to gather all the sufferings due to sin upon his own divine person to endure them with the divine patience of an infinite charity is the loving action of a most merciful god who thus teaches us how to convert our sufferings into virtue and how to make them fruitful to eternal life bridging over the vast gulf between heaven and earth which sin had rent asunder through the marvellous union of god with man he has opened the way through his own sufferings and death to our resurrection he has sanctified all sufferings by his own and has given us the power by uniting our sufferings with his and by acting with the grace of his patient charity to share in his everlasting glory nor is this all for not only have the patient sufferings of christ opened heaven to us but whenever we draw near to the suffering son of god and put our heart into that furnace of love and patience we receive a light an affection and an unction that soothes all sorrows into peace cleanses the soul from evil and comforts her with a cordial strength and an ever-increasing desire of the eternal good the world is full of mysteries the soul is full of mysteries heaven is all mystery to us earthly creatures but whoever embraces the cross with open heart finds therein the explanation of a thousand mysteries 